If you can join me again in Galatians, the fifth chapter, as we continue on walking through this letter, dealing with understanding the gospel message. I want to lift one more time in our hearing, this time looking at verses 13 to 15 in Galatians, the fifth chapter, in the New Living Translation, I'll be reading from Galatians, fifth chapter. This time we're looking at verses 13 to 15. Those who are able to stand to honor God's word, you're welcome to do so. Also, you may find it in your smart device. You can join our live event in the Bible app. Galatians 5th chapter, verse 13 to 15. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. The Word of God says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are not always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. Praise God for his words. You may be seated. If you can help me announce the subject matter to your neighbor, tell them to walk in the spirit. Amen. Help me. Help me announce to your other neighbor so they don't feel left out. Tell them walk in the spirit. Want to look in how in Walking out this gospel, remember the gospel is not just a subject matter, but it is a lifestyle. Can you let me tell your neighbor, the gospel is a lifestyle? And since the gospel is a lifestyle, that it should be evident in how we walk. In other words, not necessarily how you physically walk, but how you conduct and live your life. And so if we are going to walk in the spirit, walking out this gospel message, then we must sow some evidence that the spirit of God is in us. How can I show that I have the spirit of God in me? Well, here's the question that you might want to answer this way. Tell your neighbor that you got to show love because God is love. And and so in order for me to show that I have the spirit of the living God in me and I'm walking out this gospel in my life, walking in the spirit, then I must be showing love. Think about how oftentimes when we think about the word love, we have some warm and fuzzy feeling thoughts that come to our mind. And and how oftentimes when we use this word love in our English vocabulary is not the same kind of definition of love in the Bible. Because think about the things that we say we love. We love pizza. We love some cheeseburgers. We love some steak. We love some macaroni and cheese. We love some apple pie. Am anybody else getting hungry besides me? We, we love some stuff that we say, but really we say we like these things. Meaning that I, I can go away with these things, but think about the things you really love that you, you love your children. If they were gone, you'd be upset. But if McDonald's closed down, you can, you can go on in your life. And so think about the things that we love. When the Bible speaks of the word love, that this word love is often that we use as translated agape in the Greek, which means basically how love is unconditional love. Love that is not based on emotions or reciprocity, what you do back to me, but love is based on I love you just because. Y'all quiet on me. 
So think about how you love other things because it gives something back to you. You love apple pie because how it tastes. Mm, mm, mm. You, you, you love that steak because how it makes you feel. But yet here it is, here it is, that when we look at the other words of love in the Bible, in these Greek words, we have the word eros, where we get erotic, which means romance, love, or philia, which means brotherly love, where we get the word Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. We have differences and definitions of love. But here, when the Bible says, a command I give you, that you shall what? Love one another. It did not say eros, have a romantic feeling towards them. It did not say philia, to have a brotherly, a compassionate love for them. But to love them means to love you just because. What does it mean to love means this? That, that's why in John it says it clearly, clearly that how can you say you love God whom you do not see and hate your brother whom you do see? It says that you are a liar. Why does it say that you are a liar? It means this. You cannot love God and not love his creation. You, you either love God or you don't. There's no in-between. Tell your neighbor there's no in-between. Think about, think about how you get into a relationship. You don't want no in-between relationship. Do you love me or do you kind of love me? You, you don't want to say, well, you kind of love me, then let's go on out. It's okay. Let's, let's just go on out because you kind of love me. So it means you might treat me all right. Yeah, you might not, but I'm okay with that. No, you're not okay with that. If somebody loves you, you want them to go all the way and say, I can't live with you. I give my life to you. Say, that's the kind of love I want. And so here it is, when God is telling us how we used to love him, you cannot say, God, I kind of love you, but I want to live like this. You either love God or you don't. It will be evident in your life. Look closely right there in Galatians. It says that in the commandment, this commandment I give that you love your neighbor as you what? Love yourself. Where does this come from? This comes from the great commandment. Jesus taught this, the great commandment. They asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? He says, love the Lord your God with all your mind, with all your strength, and all your soul, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. He says you can summarize the whole law, the whole commandment on this, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And this love is not based on how much you love you, but how much you love God. Mm. So how is it, how can I walk by the Spirit that I must show love? Well, look what love does. Love does not move me to be concerned about myself. Love moves me to serve. Mm. Mm. Look closely there. Paul writes earlier that all that matters is faith of love that moves us to serve. That's all that counts. Remember we talked about faith counts. And he says, the matter is, it's your faith of love that moves you to service. Look closely within the Bible. Remember when Jesus was washing his disciples' feet? You remember what he told them? He says that I, you call me master, but I came, I serve you. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Okay, hold up. Wait a minute. Drop that. Rewind that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in our parents would have everlasting life. For God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son. For God so loved the world he gave. The son of God, Jesus Christ, was shown by God's love and he came to do what? To serve. Mm. So my question is to us that if we start thinking about, am I showing the spirit of God? Am I showing love? My question for you is to ask this, to take a serve in your life. When's the last time you served? When was the last time you served? Because service involves humility. Service involves you putting yourself last and putting others first. Service involves you not concerned about what you can get out of it, but concerned how much can you give. 
Are you serving? Because freedom of the spirit will make you realize that I no longer want to fulfill the lust of the flesh, but I want to be under the influence of the spirit. For you see closely there in the text, do you not see how the flesh fights against the spirit? So if you want to live by the spirit, you're going to always have opposition. And since you're always going to have opposition, that means you need to be on your best, that you need to surrender to the spirit. Say, Lord, have your way again one more time today because the enemy's trying to win. But greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. For man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Is this microphone on? Can I get an amen? Am I saying something? We understand that if we can do this through the spirit, we ought to get excited that the enemy can't stop me today. So I might as well go ahead and surrender to the spirit. Lord, have your way. Because think about how you try to control and how you try to work it out. You will fail every time. But yet if you let God mm, work it out. And so the flesh is trying to destroy you. So you've been called to live in the freedom of the spirit. Don't get caught up with this sin. Don't, don't be confused. So you should love your neighbor as yourself. Now, look how Paul walks this out, how you will walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. For the flesh of the sinful nature is evident. He makes it very clear. And we read earlier about that list. You see that in that list. Looking at verses, uh, say, right there at verses 17 all the way to verse uh, 21, you see the list of the sinful desires. Now, you can break these down into pretty much three sections. You have sin of impurity. You have sin of idolatry. And you have sins of temper. And so let's look at this for a moment and realize how I want to be of the spirit and show love and not be of the flesh and show these. First of all, he feels a sense of impurity, sexual immorality or fornication or impurity or uncleanliness or sensuality. Basically, basically having lustful pleasure out of control. He's pointing out that if you are in the flesh, all you are concerned about how you can gratify your sexual desires. Y'all quiet on me. I know we're doing grown folk talks. I know. I understand. I understand. I don't understand what pastor's talking about. I, I don't have those kind of desires. You ain't got to lie. The Bible makes it clear that we live in such a world that sinful desires are overtaking it. All you got to do is just watch TV. I don't care what channel you you can watch Disney. You're going to see some kind of sexual man. Oh, man, I, 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 I just turned on the TV for my daughter. And we watching. It was on Teen Nick and I was watching Teen Nick and I saw a music video. And I said, is this MTV? What's going on? All of a sudden, it's amazing how it's, it's such acceptable to have so much sexuality just permeating that. Think about it, how now, time, now, it's, it's common. I, I remember back in my time, see, I'm not that old, but see, back in my time, I, I remember that skirts had to be down by the knees. Now, if it's above the knees, it's okay. Y'all quiet on me. It's all right. That, that now, now that, you know, even I have to deal with my daughter, that all her friends that you go out in prom dresses and homecoming dresses, it used to be they came down to bash the knees, but all of them were above the knees. I'm like, man, that kind of short. So I, I, I got a test. You know, I got like, you know, the fingertip test. If it, if it don't match the fingers, it got to be longer. <laughs> we 
in times now that, that we, we live in such sensuality, right? The more flesh I can see, the, the more it tantalizes the eyes, and that's what the enemy needs. Because once the enemy has your mind hooked on it, then your body's going to say, how can I take care of this desire? So you see these, these sinful issues, it's not necessarily the physical act, but yet how our attitude and our mind leads us. Into this physical act. So be careful of these sensual sins, how, how, the, how the eyes are, are definitely a vessel to get you to do the things you don't want to do. That's why I love Job when he says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustful unto a young maid. Now, I'm so glad that I, I grew up in the church and I read my Bible. And I'll tell you this now, that I did not learn that in Sunday school. Samuel had to learn that on his own saying, Lord, I got an issue. <laughs> See, yeah, yeah, I'm doing grown folks. I don't know about y'all, but see, I, I can tell the truth because I so no know. And, and God led me to Job. And Job says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustful unto a young maiden. I said, Lord, if Job can do it, so enough, Lord, help me to do it. So no, when, when I was going to school, when I went to school, the ratio of boy to, to, to a, a girl was 10 to 1. And let me help you out how this ratio was not fair, because the ratio was not fair, because Jet Ebony Essence Magazine came by to look for models for their modern fashion shows. Videos were shot on campus for HP, for a hip-hop and BET shows, so there weren't just some women on there, there were some fine. And Lord knows that when there was a pool party, there was this party, this party, so no Sam eyes wanted to go. So the Bible had to help me out. To make a covenant with my eyes. Not to look lustful unto a young man. So we need to make our mind and say, Lord, I don't want to be led by the flesh, but how can I surrender by the spirit and let you guide me and direct me, knowing that this is what the flesh wants. But, Lord, I want to please your will. So we got we to gotta decide, so Lord, I'm going to trust you more than this flesh. And not only of sins of impurity. It talks about sins of idolatry. Has idol worship and witchcraft. Idolatry, you are very familiar with, you know, having graven images and put those before God, but also idols worship is not necessarily graven images to us modernly, but also whatever else we put before God. Whatever else we put before God. And so idolatry will lead us to say, you know what, Lord, I want to worship you, but I, I rather do these other things than give you priority in my life. Let me throw this one for you to help you understand how to make God a priority. Many, many people, definitely when we are single, we are always looking for that one. We're always looking for that one. You know, like, oh, I can't wait till I find my husband or I find my wife. We're waiting for that one. Let me help you out. In order to find that one, you first need to serve the one. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his right. He will add all these other things unto you. And so once we understand how to put God first, it's amazing how he will line things up for us. Because you understand Adam needed that one too. But yet when he was doing God's work, they said, God, now you're doing my work. Now I can put you to sleep. And you're going to wake up. You're going to find that one. And when we woke up, we found that one. It says, whoa, man, I will cleave unto you. And so you understand that when we do the work of God, he will put things in proper power. But when we have idolatry involved in us, it's amazing how our life is in chaos. Our issues are in chaos because our priorities are out of order. And then when our priorities are out of order, we look for anybody to give us some help that leads to witchcraft. 
being being led by stars, being led by by myths and being led by witchcraft. And another thing about witchcraft suggests to us that it's gloomy means that oftentimes people dark have darkness all around them. Those who oftentimes are in gothic and and gothic things always wear black and look gloomy and always look sad. Why do you always look sad? Because witchcraft has nothing good to offer. So it's always going to be bad news. But yet when you look at God, don't you feel a sense of joy? Don't you feel a sense of peace? Don't you feel a little bit better about yourself? And so it's amazing how when we allow idolatry and witchcraft begin into our lives, we feel down and upset and messed up. But yet when we let the faith of our Lord and Savior run us and move us and take care of us, you can be in the middle of a storm, but said, I will praise him in the morning. I'll praise him in the noonday. I'll praise until the sun goes down. You can be sick in your bed and you not be able to lift up your voice, but yet you'll lift up enough power says, then sings my soul. How great thou art. So the flesh wants you to move your attitude, your mind away from depending on God and depending on flesh and witchcraft and evil spirits that have no power, have no authority. They have no control. And, and, and think about how we allow witchcraft and superstitions to get into our lives. Think about how, how when you're watching a sports team and something happens, you, you change up so it don't happen again. <laughs> Y'all quiet on me. You you were late to work one day because you did one thing, so you don't do that thing, so you don't be late again. You know, we we just do stuff superstitiously because it's it's ingrained in our society. It's not that we're superstitious people uh, just because we want to, but in our culture, it makes it acceptable, right? Don't walk under a ladder; it's bad luck. Don't step on a crack; you'll break your mama's back. Don't break a mirror; you have seven years of bad luck. We pass these things down. Let me let you know that no crack, no mirror, no ladder got more power than my God. And so when we know that we understand, Lord, I trust you more than I trust those old fortunes. You know those good old fortune cookies, you open them up. Somebody tall, darker, handsome is going to come. That could be anybody. We, we look for those, 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 those very vague things. You're going, you know how, how you are a good person, a good character, funny. That is me. I am that kind of person. And you don't get along with those who are argumentative. That's everybody. <laughs> we look at those things like they're talking about. That's everybody. Who likes to get along with people that always argue with you? They make this stuff up to make you think that they have control and power of you. And you end up feeling depressed because things never work out the way they say it should. So be careful of these sins of idolatry. And then the next section is long. This list is a lot longer. <laughs> you see that? Look, look pretty much right down to say at verse uh, 20. You see the sins of temper, which are enmity, which are strife, which is jealousy, which is wrath, which is disputes, which is divisions, which is factions, which is envying. These, these uh, sins of temper, first and foremost, I'm going to deal with enmity. Enmity deals with hostility and 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 and. We are oftentimes, think about how when we don't like somebody, when we don't love them, how we're hostile towards them. I got a few people saying, hey, man, some of y'all are so saved. Y'all say, I, I've never been like that, Pastor. That's all right. That's all right. I'm praying for you. But when we don't love somebody, we don't care about them, and we are hostile towards them. And when we are hostile towards them, then we have strife. We have quarrels. We argue with them. We try to bring division. 
And then not only that, then we become jealous. Now, notice the word jealous and envy are there because they're two different things. Jealousy is an intense negative desire or feeling towards another's property. Envy is not only just intense feeling, but also the desire to deprive them of it, not so that you can have it, just so that they won't. So, so jealousy is that, man, I, I would love to have what so-and-so has. Envy was, I wish I could take that away from him because I don't have one. I don't want him to have one either. That's how envy people are. That's why they break stuff and don't care. They took it from you and they broke it because they didn't want it either. They just didn't want you to have it. Works of the flesh. And then wrath. It says, or it says what? Uh, An uh, uh, angry outburst. This is that kind of anger that you've seen it probably in yourself that you get so angry, everybody can tell you angry. Your, your face starts flaring up, your eyes start flittering, your, your eyes start blinking, and your hands start shaking. You can realize they're really upset right now. Put your hand on your waist, your foot starts thumping, your neck starts moving. They can really say, oh, they're about to tear somebody up. Hello, when my ladies, they take them heels off, take them earrings off, am I talking to somebody? Oh, you done said something now. Watch, hold on, hold my stuff. Physical output is so angry that it becomes so overwhelming that you got to show somebody how angry you are. Or, or, or you know, that, that undercover anger. You know, when you're in school, right, you, you give them their face. You beat them up in class before you get outside and let you know I'm about to beat you down. Flesh. You're so angry. We want to do harm to somebody. And then also look at again about not only do we have strife, but also disputes. So listen, to, we, have dis, we have strife, disputes, factions, or, or parties. These basically are showing those who are trying to cause decisions. When you have disputes, you're trying to bring factions for a selfish ambition or rivalry that you're trying to get your own issue or cost. You're not, you're not trying to work for the team. You're part of the team, but you want the team to be part of you. Then you have divisions, those who don't want to anybody to work together unless they're on their side. So you are standing apart. Your attitude is of opposition. There's no unity. You stand apart. That way everybody knows where you stand. Whatever somebody else is for, you know they're against. And then you have those factions, which represents a party or maybe a, her- a heresy or basically basically a school of thought. Basically, so you can say a Democratic Party or you say the Republican Party. You say the Green Party. You say the Communist Party. You know what they stand for. That's what they're talking about, factions. That you have that group say, oh, that's that group. You know how that is, right? You, 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 you be at school. You be at work. Somebody mentions somebody's name you, and you ask who they hang with. You say, oh, they're part of that group. Never mind. I don't care what they got to say. Because you already know what they stand for. And then you have, uh, we already dealt with the envy. The grudge towards someone else, looking to deprive them more than to possess it. Again, you see all these actions, are not necess- I'm sorry, all these attitudes are not necessarily actions, but it's the attitude that leads to the action. And then last one, he, lived, he gave two, and he said, I could go on. But he says, he says drunkenness, or he says orgies, or basically drunk wild parties and, and the likes. Basically, because in this time, that's, that's, they, they like to get loose. They like to get drunk and, and be intoxicated for days on days on end. 
And so with that, he's saying to them that don't get caught up with lust of the flesh, that you, are, you have these attitudes or these sins of impurity, sins of idolatry, sins of, of ill temper, and sins of drunkenness and wild living. These things, check this out what he says, these things, the people who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's right there. And he says, let me tell you again, as I before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So now we got all the bad news. So what's the good news? So, so live by the spirit. I, I, I made it clear the wicked deeds are evident. They make themselves manifest in this. And so therefore we need to realize that, okay, when I become ill temper or I'm living a sensual sexual life or I'm living in idolatry in these days, okay, God, this is not of you. I should not live in this way. So how should I live in the spirit? Oh, well, what are the fruit of the spirit? I want to clarify fruit of the spirit, not plural. It's not the fruits of the spirit. No, no. The spirit has one fruit. And this one fruit is love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, self-control, meekness. What do you mean that it's one fruit? It means this, that when you get uh, a, a, a banana tree, right, the fruit of the banana is bunches of bananas. Not one banana, is it? Y'all quiet on me. The fruit of the tree is a bunch of bananas. It's not just one. If it was just one, that's a bad tree. Y'all quiet on me. If you go to an apple orchard, you expect to see apples. So if one tree comes up and only has one apple, that's not an apple orchard. That's just a tree with an apple. And so therefore, we need to show the fruit of the Spirit that when they see us, they say, oh, I see the Spirit. Because I see love. I see joy. I see peace. I see kindness. I see gentleness. I see self-control. And so think about that love. Remember, agape, unconditional love. I love you just because. Joy, unspeakable joy, charity, having a sense of overwhelming that comes only from God. Peace, that means in the middle of trials and tribulations, you have peace, you have comfort, knowing that my God is going to work it out in spite of what's going on. Patience, able to endure troubles and tribulations, able to put up with other people's mess. Why? Because I love you. Then you have kindness. Kindness are acts, a movement of gentleness toward somebody then you have goodness baby basically saying i will serve you and be meek and kind to you faithfulness we know we're faithful because we like faithfulness we like people that stick by your side through the good and the bad gentleness affections and then self-control so let's look at why we need to have the fruit of the spirit we need to walk in the spirit so that we can show everybody who we serve Jesus says this to this, that they will know that you are my disciples of how you what? Love one another. The great commandment he gave us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Uh, uh, a, 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 a rabbi gave this teaching this way. I could, my mind went blank of the teacher. He says this. He says, whatever is hateful towards you, do not do towards another. Basically the same thing. Do unto those you have them what? Do unto you. Love your neighbor as you. Love yourself, but he used the negative to help emphasis. So whatever is hateful towards you, don't do that to another. We hear that terminology, how we say, how people say that jokingly. They say jokingly, I wouldn't do that to my worst enemy. They say it jokingly because they're really like, I probably would do it to my worst enemy. But I just want you to know how bad I really thought that was. That was so bad, I wouldn't even do that to my worst enemy. But truth of the matter is this, that if we love our God, then we want to show his love to all that we meet. 
And so when we love him, that we will show the fruit of the spirit, not the works of the flesh. Because we are walking by the spirit, not in the flesh. That's why we need to realize that Galatians 2.20 says it's no longer I who live because I have been crucified with Christ. I take it as a life I now live. I live by faith, by the one who loved me, who died for me, who set me free. We need to change up our whole way that we live and no longer try to gratify the fleshly desires, but say, Lord, here I am. Use me. How can God use us by us making us a living sacrifice? Meaning I am surrendering to you, God, not to do what I want, but to do your will. And to do your will, I got to change my mind. I got to change my attitude. I'm so glad that God has not left us by ourselves because I can't change my mind by myself. I need some assistance. Anybody here need some assistance? Need some help to change your mind? That's why he gave you the spirit. And, and once you surrender to the spirit, it will renew your mind. It will transform you. It will have some regeneration. You know what regeneration means? Basically every day the spirit's working on you to get you better and better. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. Mm. Think about how you seen a you go to the museum, you see a sculpture. Anybody ever seen the sculptures? Seen sculptures? And and you see the finished product. But before that finished product, all that before was many of times they begin was just a lump of clay. And all it is is a lump of clay, and, and they got to get a special kind of clay. It can't just be any clay. It has to be a special kind of clay filled with oil and moisture so that it won't dry up. And the special clay that they will shape and they will mold it so it gets in the process. So every day, uh, the artist will work on that clay. Now, check this out. Sometimes they won't work on it. They'll just wrap it up. And so I'll come back on this project later and I'll go work on something else. But yet every time it means that it's an ongoing process till they get to the finished product. And when it gets to the finished product, everybody's applauding. Oh, wow, that is beautiful. That is beautiful. That's wonderful. That is wonderful. But yet through the process, before we get to the finished product, there's times that it has to take away things. It's not like that it wants it to be and shape it. Or maybe he has to start all over again. And this is all done before it's put into the fire and they cast it into a mold. And once they cast it to the mold, then they pour in the metal that they want. Wanted to be for the final product, and then they reveal it. But yet, all that took time. Pastor, what are you trying to say? What I'm trying to tell you is, this, the Holy Spirit is taking His time on you, so that you can get to the finished product. And there's some days that is working on you and helping you out. There's some days when you're not working with it that it gotta let you alone. And there's some days that it comes back. You say, Lord, I'm sorry, and it restores you, and it renews you, and it works on you to get you more and more to be who He wants you to be walk in the spirit let the spirit lead you let the spirit guide you let us pray father we thank you